Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Bart Egnall, who is the president and CEO of the Humphrey Group. He is also the author of the book, Leading Through Language, How to Choose Words that Influence and Inspire. Thanks so much for joining us today, Bart. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So I want to start with the fact that on your LinkedIn profile, you state that your organization firmly believes that every time you speak or write, you have the opportunity to shape beliefs and inspire others to act. So first off, that puts a ton of pressure on every word I'm about. (laughs) But second, what is one powerful way for us to maximize our opportunities to shape beliefs when we speak? Yeah, it's a, definitely not only a belief of the organization, my company, but it's a personal belief. And I think the simplest way that you can start leading when you speak is to be conscious about it. And most people are focused when they communicate on transferring information, whether it's an update or presentation or a webinar, rather than transforming people. And you do that by getting to the heart of what they believe and either changing or strengthening those beliefs. So it really begins with intention and consciousness around this being a critical skill for leaders. Hmm. You, you've been with the Humphrey Group now for 19 years. You've been the CEO for the past six. I think, can you tell us a little bit about the organization? And then maybe as a follow-up question to that, what surprised you the most about how your organization has evolved over the years? Yeah, it's hard to believe two decades in the business. Um, the uh, the secret, it's not such a secret anymore, uh, but the secret is my mom, Judith Humphrey, started the company 30 years ago. And she was a speech writer. She saw a need in the marketplace to teach executives not only how to say something powerful, but to deliver it with presence. And so she partnered up with an actor, and that was the genesis of the Humphrey Group. So when I joined 20 years ago, The business was really her and some talented actors who taught presence. And I learned to write speeches and I learned to work with executives um, and love the work. But I saw that um, communication was becoming progressively less formal. It was becoming a skill that people outside the C-suite had to have. Technology was uh, things like email, PowerPoint were all starting to come into use and they were kind of eliminating the formality of communication. So I said, look, you know, this is an opportunity for us to support so many more leaders. And, you know, with the support of my mom, started building the business, moved to Vancouver, opened our office there, opened offices across Canada and Mexico, and then uh, bought the company from her and took over. And we've, uh, we've continued to grow. And, you know, the interesting thing is we don't do any speech writing anymore. Uh, we still work with executives, but the bulk of our work is with leaders, some of whom have no people they manage. They're influential leaders, teaching them these skills and teaching them how to inspire uh, wherever they are. And, and now, you know, just a final thought with uh, this time that we're in with COVID-19 and virtual communication, we're evolving again because uh, clients uh, need new skills. They need to lead people through this time and what they say matters more than ever. And they're having to learn new ways to say it through technology. So I'm really energized by the continued evolution of leadership communication and the chance for our business to evolve with it. 
What has been the hardest part about your role from a leadership perspective? And then you also hit on something about the global expansion that your organization went on and, and that you kind of shepherded through. What, what's been the most difficult part about evolving the business to meet the challenges of the time? Yeah, one of the things I love about running the company, owning and running the company is every every year I get served some more humble pie <laughs> for uh, for breakfast. You know, when I when I worked for my mom, 15 some years ago, I said, gosh, this is going to be easy. You know, I know exactly what to do. I teach people how to communicate as a leader. I'll be great at it. And you know, what I've learned and what surprised me is just how tough it is to really lead through communication, how much work it takes, how much effort it requires. And, and you know, I intellectually knew that as a, as a coach to senior executives, but having to do it myself uh, has been a, a tremendous rewarding challenge so and as as we've grown the business um, that's become more and more important part of my job so I suppose that old adage that the children of cobblers go barefoot <laughs> has uh, has applied um, but it's it's been rewarding to invest in the skills that we teach one of the things that I'm always curious about with our guests is kind of the quintessential where do you start question and and mm. For a topic as broad as, as what you guys go into, but also as impactful as what you and your organization go into, where do we start or where do you start with a new individual or a new organization mm -hmm. or for our listeners, where can they do evaluate these skills that they have personally? Yeah, and it's an expansion of what I was um, talking about earlier. It begins with intention and self-awareness. You know, most, most of us find, most of our clients who come to us or executives or future executives. And, and they're just in so many meetings, sending so many emails, the pace of communication now is more rapid than it's ever been. The demands on them to communicate are more rapid than they've ever been. And, and, and so it's unsurprising that they rarely stop and dedicate time to thinking, okay, who are the audiences I want to inspire? And not inspire like you know Martin Luther King, though, hey, if, you, if you are aiming for that, go for it. But inspire in terms of what action do I want to inspire them to take? How do I want to have them, for example, embrace a new sales strategy? How do I want to have this, uh, the executive committee approve my request for capital? And it's really beginning with that intention. That's the starting point. And from there, it's getting to your beliefs. I mean, people don't do things because of information. Right? The information they synthesize leads them to develop a conviction, right? They, they, they synthesize all the financials and they say, wow, this is, a, this is a compelling return on capital. We should fund it. They look at your plan for sales. They say, you know, the way I've been doing sales for a while has worked, but this seems more compelling. I'm going to give it a try. And so it's important to think about, you're asking people to adopt new beliefs. You better know what yours are. And I, and I often go through that exercise with executives I'm coaching. I'm saying, okay, I'd like you to write down on your page, I firmly believe that, and finish the sentence. And, and you'd be surprised how many times they stop and say, I'm not sure, I gotta think about this. And so I'd say those are the two starting points. It's what actions do you wanna inspire in people? And what beliefs do you have that you want to ultimately share with them? One of, one of the things you hit on there was the pace of communication and the demands that are on leaders and rising leaders really at all levels 
to ask a personal question as the leader of an organization, you know, how do you organize your day to ensure productivity and some semblance of sanity is, is balanced? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like most people listening to this podcast, uh, there'd probably be two answers. One is in the before time and one is you know, now in the age of COVID-19 when we're all working from home. Uh, and you know, I have three wonderful young children who are one, four and eight who get very excited when I'm on calls. So they love to come in and, <laughs> and it kind of reshapes my day. But I'd say even before and after there, there are some um, commonalities. And, and I think the first is um, I really try and protect parts of my schedule for think time, you know, and that's, I think that, you know, my best ideas come not when I'm on a call uh, or working, they come when I have kind of time to think. So I make sure, you know, Weeks out, I'll block chunks of my week just to dedicate to thinking. You know, another, another thing I, I do is I um, you know, make sure I'm really close to my direct reports. I spend time with them at least every other week uh, and really focused on, you know, how we're driving the strategy of the business forward. And then third, I get a lot of energy from, still from client work. You know, I, I, when I took on, when I bought the company and took over, I thought, you know, I'll just manage it. And I've gone back to doing more work with a couple key clients and, and that really keeps me connected to our evolving intellectual capital and um, gets me energized still. Um, Cause you know, running a business, I joke is the long war, you know, you never win, <laughs> you never lose hopefully, but you really need that. Um, I missed that tangible work with a client where they say, wow, that was fabulous. So that's, that's how I'd organize my work. And then personally, I believe, you know, energy, you know, to keep my energy strong, I'm, uh, you know, athletics are very important. So I'm, I'm a serious cyclist and I make sure I'm, I'm on the bike or on the stationary trainer, usually five days a week. And, and that to me is just part of kind of keeping my mental health going. So that's, that's my typical, atypical week. I like it. Very helpful. Anything that you, as somebody who's kind of at the forefront of leadership development, is there anything that you disagree with about maybe a conventionally held belief about what it means to develop future leaders? You know, there, the, I think one of the exciting things is how leadership development, I've, I've you know, been in the business for 20 years now, is evolving so rapidly. And I think we're just in this time now where people are embracing new kinds of leadership and specifically i refer to an increasing awareness that diversity is important in in the composition of leadership and inclusion that's not it's not enough to get diversity to the table but everyone's got to be heard and have their people speak authentically so you know it, it's i think it's only with hindsight that we we see that the that the belief um maybe needs to evolve I'd say the, the only thing I've kind of seen over the course of my career that I always caution my clients on, even when they're trying to engage us, is what I might call the um, the save, you know, from a leadership donation. And by that, I refer to someone who they'll, they'll say, you know, this person, I don't know if they're going to work. Let's get them a program. Maybe we can fix them. And I always, you know, I'm always cautioning them to avoid spending the time and energy to repair someone because you know, rarely does it work out, you know, almost always it ends up being that person's uh, just not going to thrive in that structure of a role. And so I think, you know, folks like Marcus Buckingham's Now Discover Your Strengths have talked about this, 
it's really best to look for your your performers, your stars, and invest more in them and build out the skills that are going to enable them to thrive more. So hmm. hope, hopefully that, I, I don't know if that's still a, a belief that exists, um, but I still see it in, in requests that we get. Really interesting stuff. And one thing that I wanted to dig into further is the, the subtitle of your book is, is how to choose words that influence and inspire. So what sort of mistakes do we make? And I guess, how can we correct those mistakes? And how should we try to, what should we need to avoid regarding the words that we choose? And as the kind of counter to that, what should we be thinking about more to ensure that the comments that we make are making our best effort to influence and inspire? Yeah, we want to make sure we don't leverage our core competencies to optimize on a go-forward basis as we think outside the box, right? <laughs> no, I mean, all kidding aside, you know, I wrote the book because I really wondered why jargon exists, why technical language was so dominant, and why so little that I heard in the corporate world was inspiring. You know, we all, all of my clients would crave. Uh, inspirational language crave and would speak very um, eloquently about leaders over their career who really reach them on an emotional level. I thought, how can we help leaders do this more? So to answer your first question, what mistakes do persist? And they persist even since I wrote the book some years ago. The first is that, you know, people um, use language that conveys expertise, knowledge, uh, and technical aptitude, you know, language without thinking about whether or not it will be understood by the audience. And, you know, jargon's a good example of this. You know, jargon's kind of like a code that signals you have expertise, you're competent, um, but it, it doesn't serve leaders well because leaders, the goal of leadership, as I said earlier, is to inspire people. And so it's your job as a leader to make sure that your language can be understood, not for your audience to have to work to see if they can grasp what you're saying. Another, another challenge, another symptom of that kind of language is often the speaker isn't clear about what they're saying. I mean, one of my favorite, uh, you know, shows is House of Lies, you know, Don Cheadle and Kristen Bell, management consultant show. And they just, you know, when they, they don't want to give the client a clear answer, they just kind of throw in all of this jargon and the client is so baffled, they don't ask anything. And so it, it can really be used to obfuscate you know, or conceal what's being said. And sometimes, frankly, it just reflects lack of understanding or lack of definitive thinking by the leader. So if we, if we think about some of those challenges, you know, going back to, okay, the, the two points I made, as a leader, you should be thinking, how do I want to move this audience? And then you should be thinking, what do I believe that I want them to believe? And then you're ready to start thinking about what you actually say. And so you should choose words that convey those beliefs with precision and clarity, but also with energy. We're doing a program right now on, on vision for a global IT company for vice presidents there. It was a program that was conceived of prior to the pandemic, but whose importance is actually far greater now because, you know, you think about, their employees who are all concerned, you know, what does my future look like? What is the company going to be like? What is our, you know, they're in a state of anxiety. 
And then you have customers saying, oh, what can you do for me? This is my future is uncertain. And so it's, it's a tremendous opportunity for these leaders to articulate a vision and not, not the company vision, but a vision to those employees, a vision to each customer. And, and so when you look at the language that they need to use, it can't be IT speak. It has to be more emotional and evocative, you know, something where people feel differently when they, they feel secure, they feel energized, they feel inspired about their relationship with their employer. And, and so what we'll be working with these VPs on is be deliberate, you know, listen to the words you're using, even record yourself and go back and listen to them. And ask yourself, are you talking about the numbers on the spreadsheet? Are you talking about the human connection and how you feel and how your audience should feel? So there's a, there, again, is a real need for intention when you choose the language that's going to reflect your leadership. That's what the book gets into. Hmm. Well, your comments about precision, clarity, and energy is just a perfect spot for us to end this part of the conversation and, and shift to our final two rapid fire questions that we ask all guests. And question number one is, is this, if you could describe your personal leadership style in one word, what would that one word be? Well, I was gonna, <laughs> I fail your test as someone in the language business because I, I had two words, which was passionately committed. I'll, I'll, I'll allow um, the final, Thank you. final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I would say, you know, care more than anyone <laughs> you know and that's the advice i got from someone to me as the owner of the company and the ceo you have to care uh more than anyone else does about the people about the company and the business and that's something i've i take very seriously hmm. well caring is a great way to close this out thank you so much for joining us today bart where can our listeners find out more about you yeah, well, you uh, please connect with me on LinkedIn. You can also follow me on Twitter at THG underscore Bart. And do um, connect to our company, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. We often do complimentary webinars, particularly during this time to build skills. And lastly, and I know, Matt, this is a, a tip of the hat. You're going to be coming on my podcast, the Inspire Podcast, uh, and where we talk about what it takes to communicate inspirationally. And that's on SoundCloud, Apple, Google podcasts, and wherever else you listen. So yeah, look forward to connecting with uh, all of you listening. Perfect. Well, thank you for all the great insight. And thank you to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed the show today, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our organization Ability, that is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com. And be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.